Welcome back to Bible Love. We are on Thursday in the fourth week of Lent. And during Lent, as we said, each day has its own set of readings and colics. If you haven't, I commend that to you as part of your Lenten disciplines. Here is the colic for today. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, drive from us all weakness of body, mind, and spirit, that being restored to wholeness, we may with free hearts become what you intend us to be and accomplish what you want us to do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, Alan, we are finishing up Second Samuel today. Um, so we're specifically talking about chapters 20 through 24. And when we were kind of talking a little bit before, um, I was asking Alan, you know, because he knows a lot more about the Bible than I do. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm really kind of confused um, because there's some things that are in here that seem a little bit out of place. And Alan, what did you remind me about? Part of this seems weird. Well, number one, just as a book, Second Samuel, like we'll talk about it. But in 23, we get the last words of David, right? To me, that sounds like the best place to end. Mm-hmm. Then we get chapter 24, which is this other narrative thing, um, a census, which seems like a really weird place to end. And if we've had David's last words in chapter 23, then we turn and next or in a couple of weeks, we'll look at first Kings. Surprise, David starts speaking again. And so part of this is a reminder to us that like all of this, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings used to be one giant book. And so these are kind of false divisions, but even there, the timeline's weird. It reminds me kind of like the old TV show lost. If you ever mm-hmm. saw that, right? Like you get really like the timeline gets really warped and you don't know what's happening when, whatever. Cause here, you know, second Samuel 23, we have David's last words. And then, you know, first Kings one and two, David speaking again. Where do they come in? Who knows? And so it's all like a narrative structure. It's not daily newspaper reporting, right? That's an important thing to remember, I think, about uh, scripture is this isn't a day by day journal. We'll get to that in the Gospels, right? Because the Gospels, you know, one Gospel will have Jesus doing this, 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 and this. And then another Gospel, the timeline will be Jesus doing this, 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 this. Right? These Gospels disagree. No, they don't disagree. People just didn't write things down day by day like a diary. Yeah. I think that um, I really appreciate you reminding me of that. And I think that's important because our brains work in a way like of a, like a, a shelf. Like we just want it to be in this order and we want it to, you know. And so when I was preparing, I was like, I did not get this. Like, did David die and come back to life or what happened? Um, you know, but, but, remembering that this was written, um, you know, people hundreds of years actually after it actually happened, probably, but also like, what were they writing on? You know, it's not like they had pieces of paper. They could do a journal and do a diary or something, as you said. Um, so thank you for that reminder to me and to all our listeners. I think that's important. So we start in chapter 20 
which again, I was trying to get some, a little bit of advice from Alan on this or some instruction, but, um, chapter 20 is this person Sheba comes into the picture. Okay. So, and some of the commentaries I read, this is the first time we actually hear about Sheba and Sheba has this authority almost and starts to try to sort of have a rebellion and get all the people that are following David to not follow David down with David. We won't follow him. Men of Israel, let's go home. So there's this rebellion against David that comes from Sheba and Sheba's um, entourage, I guess, which is sort of interesting, but I guess also is sort of the normative, right? Even now, like people are always trying, as Jared talked so beautifully last week, people are always trying to take power People are always trying to get leadership in a, sometimes in a negative way, right? We see that in today's culture, right? Um, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised that they're trying to take David's um, reign. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't know that I remember elsewhere in the Bible someone being called a scoundrel. Yeah. Um, so I want to look up in Hebrew and see what scoundrel is. Um yeah, right. So we have this, this is a hero story kind of of David, like all of, of Second Samuel. But here we always have this undercurrent of people going after him, kind of like we know the stories of David and like David can screw things up on his own. He doesn't actually need other people to, mm-hmm. to try to come and get him. But it does remind me, and we talked about it last week, um, like when the Israelites said, we want a king. There was a warning saying like, it's not going to go well for you, but okay. And, yeah. you know, cause when you had, you know, the prophets and priests and, and that, like there was this God ordained thing and there was still conflict because people were trying to get after each other. But now a king is kind of a purely political entity and there almost by definition, it has to do with power and strength and, David partly got this thing because he was powerful and all of that. And it's what we struggle with today. You know, there's not very many monarchies actually now. And the monarchies are relatively secure. They don't have much much power either. Yeah. So, (laughs) but then, you know, it's presidents who are going after each other. It's people who try to run for president in our country, right? It can get pretty underhanded, but then you have other places that, go to war because they want to take land back, which is what we're experiencing right now in Ukraine. Right. Um, So this, this idea of war is nothing new. Unfortunately, this idea of violence is nothing new. And the, really the saddest part to me is the idea of power is nothing new. And you can talk about it in larger contexts, but it also happens in our daily lives. Right. I was telling Alan about a situation before we got on here and it's a, it's a small mundane thing, but it has everything to do with power and about wanting. And it's just something very small in life, but someone wanting to have that power, someone wanting to be in charge instead of working in a community, instead of working together. Um, and those, those are hard. Those things happen in our daily lives all the time. And I am so guilty of it. I don't know about you, but like, I'm like, I am the chief liturgist at this church. Like I want the liturgy to go through me, right? Get over it, my Ralph. You know, like, so we all have that, right? 
And I think we can find it in our lives in a lot of different ways. And we don't have to be at war to find that. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, was it last week when um, Senator Sassy spoke and he was talking about cameras in the Supreme Court, cameras in the courtroom and saying, like, he doesn't want to see that because cameras in the Senate chambers is actually what makes people be jerks. It's because they want to be seen as powerful. They want to be seen as the one with the answer, whatever. And so even there... Obviously, national politics, we see conflict. Right. But right when someone tells me they want to run for a homeowners association, yeah, like, that's because you don't want people telling you what color to paint your fence. Uh-huh. Or, or it's you want to be the one to tell people what color they can paint their fence. For sure. Right? Like, so even I know there are people that serve at all levels of government that are doing it with good motives and with a true heart. I'm cynical enough to think you're running for school board because you want to tell people what books you can have in the library. Right. Not you want to make sure our kids get a good education or that your kid gets like the best role in this or that, or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's, just relentless at this, right? We, we've, we all do this, this search for power and it may not, seem like that's what we're doing right in, in our hearts we can like justify oh I, i'm that's not why i'm doing that you know but it, it's true it's really really true um so again like you know i'm just glad to read this stuff sometimes because it makes me feel like okay this has gone on forever and ever and i sure ain't the only one that feels this way you know so if you get to chapter 21 alan um, this is a sad chapter because all of Saul's descendants are put to death. Um, so really that reign of Saul to me, and maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but to me is like that reign is done, right? Because there's not going to be any more, again, power coming out of the reign of Saul. And what that means is that people died in that, Right. The power was, people wanted the power so much that they were willing to kill off every single person so that 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 group of people couldn't come back into power. Yeah. And here, right, like this is the Gibeonites. We've seen them before, right? I think like the Israelites and the Gibeonites had a treaty. You know, supposedly the thing I was reading talked about that that comes up in Joshua. And we don't get the details, but apparently the Israelites broke that treaty. Mm-hmm. And so some read into this like kind of divine retribution, which is something we've talked about. Does God actually like take people out mm-hmm. as a form of retribution? People who put the Hebrew scriptures together believe that potentially. Um, and so here, right, Saul, who maybe disregarded a treaty and attacked the Gibeonites, like it's coming home to roost. Yeah. And this is some of that, you know, like, we get throughout scripture, like the, the sins of one generation being visited upon another, right? Jesus, um, you know, encounters a man who had been told who sins that this man might be born blind, right? That idea of generational sin and generational consequence right here. Maybe it's not God's wrath surviving generations to come get people, but right. Like when we screw up, People we love and people that come after us sometimes pay the price. Mm. Not because God's out to get them, but because like these things last. You think like the Hatfields and McCoys, 
Like, yeah. It's kind of a classic example of that. Like the original Hatfield and McCoy, I think actually made amends. If I remember the story correctly, like they were fine with each other. It's their descendants who like lost that, you know, nearness to it. And they were like, this is crazy. We're going to kill each other for a long time right. because like the things we do tend to last. It affects our kids. It affects our grandkids. And, you know, it's Those, not God's wrath who makes someone be born blind, but there might be something generationally. Well, yeah. I th- and I think, I think you can see that often like patterns continue to happen in families, right? This family, that family, something happened. We can't get past it. And so it just keeps, like you said, going generationally. And that's not the work of who we are as Christians, right? Our work is to reconcile. I preached this long sermon yesterday on it, mostly preaching about it to myself. But, you know, that is so necessary and so important and sometimes not easy to get to right away. But it again, it's just right here. We've seen this and it's still happening and, you know, all of that. And there's this other big battle against the Philistines. And then, so that's kind of the middle of 21. And then David goes into what David is really good at, right? (laughs) David sings and he sings to the Lord. So all of 22, and it looks, you know, it's set up like a psalm. um, And I mean, it is a psalm is um, David's song of victory. So this is interesting to me, Alan. So he has just won this battle. And so he is like, yay, I won the battle. But he also praises God throughout that for winning the battle. So this is this is kind of complicated, right? Like there's I have complicated feelings about this. Like, do we praise God for winning the battle? I'm not sure. You know, um, I mean, I understand. I'm grateful for him praising God, but it, is he praising? I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't know how to get in David's head, but it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, this like you think about David, his life has been a series of ups and downs, right? Like he, you know, killed Goliath, and he did all these things, and. And he's also struggled mightily, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Like he's had people killed because he can't control his lust or all of this. And then he has a relationship and a son dies and another son dies. And so it's been a series of ups and downs. And so as I read this Psalm, like I didn't pick up on that part and we can talk about that, but I hear and hear in this Psalm, like the Lord is my rock. Like mm-hmm. maybe David's waffling and saying like, I actually can't, trust myself maybe mm. um i like your version the, better <laughs> yeah right and so maybe maybe i'm just you know not reading enough into it but it's this idea that and this is psalm 18 right like if you turn right. to psalm 18 it's basically the same thing it is psalm um, 18. Mm-hmm. yeah and so you get in here and maybe you have david wrestling with that but then you have to to read like verse 21 the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. Uh, David's hands weren't clean at right. all. Right. And so what's he thinking God's rewarding him for? Right. Is this a quid pro quo thing? You know, yeah. It's interesting. It's 51 verses, right? Yeah. So it's Psalm 18. 
um, 51 verses here. And when you look at this, or when I look at this, I'll use an I statement. When I look at this, I see a lot of praising the Lord, but I also see a lot of attention back on David as well. It's like a, it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in that, which again is the humanness of people, right? We always want to insert ourselves in that. We always want to find our, our, make ourselves feel self-soothed. Like, and maybe that's what he's doing. Like, I know I've done a lot of bad crap, you know, and I need to soothe myself and I need to thank the Lord. I don't know. But I mean, there's some beautiful words that we know really, really, really well. I mean, 29, you Lord are my light. You dispel my darkness. You give me strength to attack my enemies and my and power to overcome their defenses. And if you go back at the beginning, the Lord is my protector. He's my strong fortress. My God is my protection. And with him, I'm safe. I mean, those are comforting words. Um, and, and the Psalms often, the Psalms are complicated and we'll get to them later. But, you know, they often give us a lot of peace, but then they also have some hard things in there too. So I think this is like kind of what we know of the Psalms, right? Yeah. And in here, right. Like it takes me back and we talked about this before, like the Israelites, they struggled with, yes, we know God is doing all of these things, but then some years are going to pass and then we're going to think, Oh, actually it's we that have been doing these things. Mm -hmm. And then something happens and it drives them back to God. And then they get enough distance away and they think they can be self-sufficient and here, like, you know, in 36, just even there, you've given me your shield. You've made me stride freely. Then it switches. I pursued my enemies and destroyed right. them. I consumed them. I struck them down. And then it switches back for you girded me with strength. You yeah. made my assailant sink. It's, it's really interesting. Right? David's wrestling with this, you know, and maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a literary device, but maybe it's David wrestling with, you know, I'm doing this. Actually, no, God's doing these things. But no, I'm the one that did. But actually, God is. And how do I struggle with that? Like, I think yeah. I can do a lot. Right. And then I have to read the Psalms that say, actually, no, I literally can't do anything without God's help. Yeah. But then I go through life and I'm like, oh, I, no, I, I can handle some things. Well, no, maybe not. I think that is a human condition. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then we get into chapter 23, which was what I was kind of getting Alan to explain earlier. It's it's so interesting. And now that we know that these were all one book at one time, this is okay. But uh, And we understand it more. But we have David's last words. But David has not does not actually die, even in these chapters, but also not in this book. Um, he doesn't die till Kings. So we have um, this sort of seven chapters of his last words. Um, and again, the spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His message is on my lips. The God of Israel has spoken. The protector of Israel said to me, the king who rules with justice, who rules with reverence for God is like the sun shining on a cloudless dawn, the sun that makes the grass sparkle after rain. So he's trying to eloquently, you know, give his last thoughts, which Alan, you and I have had the pleasure of being with people, you know, with their dying words and um, 
I've never had anyone do anything like David did, but you know, it's such a pleasure to, you know, hear what it is they felt their life had been like. And then for me to assure that, you know, good and faithful servant, you have done your work. It is okay to go and be with the Lord. And so I do think this is, um, you know, a really beautiful sort of few verses here. But then it gets kind of confusing because the rest of the chapter talks about all of David's famous soldiers and then this big census in chapter 24. And then it ends like that's that's the end of Second Samuel. So I'm really grateful for your um, guidance on sort of why that answer, why that happens. So David is here's the end of the story. David is not dead. Although we hear David's last words, right? And we'll get into that further when we get into um, Kings. Um, so we have learned a lot from David, right? We, I feel like I didn't, I mean, I always knew who David was, but I feel like I had not like dug into David the way that we had. Um, there's a lot to learn from him in the good and the bad, Right. He did some good stuff and he did some bad stuff. And that sounds like every one of us. I was about to say, and that is very human, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, in my dying breath, I hope people will forgive the bad stuff and remember the good stuff. You know, I always think I just want people to know I loved them well. You know, I hope that's what happens. But I am a human just like you are. And God knows we've made a lot of mistakes in that. Um, but that's it. That's that's second Samuel. That's so we did it again. We finished. What what is second Samuel? Do you know how many books of the Bible we've now gone through? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Let me get to this table so of contents. We started this in October of 2020. It is now March of 2022. So that just tells you. <laughs> How long it has taken us to get through? I think it's it's 10 books. 10 books. Wow. Well, that seems like a, like something to celebrate. We got through 10 books. You even look through and like, this is what we've done this side, (laughs) right? This is what we've got left to do. I mean, it's going to take us three months just to get through, um, what is it? Psalm 130, whatever. What's the really long Psalm? Yeah. So, um, are you in it for the long haul? Because <laughs> there's a lot left yeah. to go. Yeah. And, um, but we, we are enjoying it very much. Um, I'm really excited about next week. Are you excited about next week? Yeah. So Alan and I have a friend, the Reverend Paul Abernathy, and Paul is going to join us to talk about scripture in his life and his life in general. Paul's had a really interesting ministry, um, and he's not done with it, even though he's like semi-retired. He still like has this very full plate. And um, we're really excited to introduce you all to Paul, a good South Carolinian, South Carolinian who um, definitely loves the Lord. And we're going to have to link all of Paul's socials um, because he has like some of the greatest words. When I'm having a hard day, I'm like, what's Paul got to say today? <laughs> share the stuff and so um i'm excited about jumping into that and then we'll get into kings after that so we'll just keep going any parting words from you my friend no i think this is 
like you said, a good reminder that in David's life, right, David was the man after God's own heart, but he screwed up a lot. And so if the one person who was after God's own heart can screw up, then I think it's okay when we do too. Because yeah. as David reminds us, um, where was it? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. So even when we screw up, even when David screwed up, he remembered the Lord was the rock. Yeah, thanks for that reminder. It's okay. You are a child of God, and you are so loved. And as always, listeners, we love you, but most importantly, God does. (laughs) 